look with me at Luke 4, uh, verses 16 through 21. Jesus, this is a, a very short part. Last week we did um, the first 13 verses. We're just going to cover five from the chapter this week. It says this, He came to Nazareth, being Jesus, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll. He found a place where it was written. And this is what it said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And all of the eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them the most baller statement that's ever been said. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The scripture he's referencing is Isaiah 61. Verses 1 through 4 in particular, the whole chapter is of the same kind of attitude, but verses 1 through 4. And so that's what we're going to read today, Isaiah 61. And based off Luke 4, we're going to preach out of Isaiah 61. Because when Jesus read Luke, read this in Luke 4, he was reading Isaiah 61. When Jesus said, this has been fulfilled, the person who's going to do it this way is me. He was reading from Isaiah 61. Jesus' strategy for how he was going to change the world and how he was going to fulfill prophecy came from Isaiah 61. And then we're going to see the steps he took from Luke 4 through 10 model the way of Isaiah 61. And so as we look at Isaiah 61, I want you to think how applicable this is for you and for me and that this was the text that really drove the ministry of Jesus. This is the text that was in the heart of Jesus for why he came. This was the text that gave Jesus a summary statement on what he was doing. So this is the text we're going to go to to learn about the way of Jesus so that we can follow the footsteps of, of Jesus. So look at Isaiah 61 with me. It'll also be on the screen. Once again, some of the same language. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn and die on, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. This is the song we just sang. The oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit or heaviness, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Would you pray with me? Let's ask the Lord for help. Lord, we just come before you. Um, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've laid out a way. And, Lord, we want to be diligent to give our lives to following in your footsteps. So, Lord, as we talk about a plan, as we talk about your word, would you give us wisdom? Uh, thank you for a heart that wants to see this through. And I pray you would continue to help us to lead with zeal and to act with zeal, to be passionate about what you've called us to. And I pray now as we implement a plan, as we talk more precisely about things, that you would give us wisdom and diligence. And that we would follow you all the way, Lord. It's not by might man shall prevail. It's not by our plans or strategies, Lord, but by following you in your way. And so here we are, God, submitted to you and your word. Would you just guide us as a church now? It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. 
So I got three words for you that are going to help summarize Isaiah 61. It'll be three words that are going to help you to summarize the things that we do. Reach, restore, and repeat. Everybody say those with me. Reach, restore, and repeat. Say it again. Reach, restore, and repeat. Reach, restore, and repeat. As you look at Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, a simple way that you can tag each section is to say we reach, we restore, and we repeat. So last week was important as we introed into the process, Luke 4, 1 through 15, we learned that there are no shortcuts. There's no side door. There's no easy way out. We must go through, not out. And so the Lord has called us to this. And as we implement the process, there are no shortcuts. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take pain. It's going to come with great victories and great losses, with great battles to come. It is a process, and there are no shortcuts. And for many of you, that challenge still remains for you to stop taking shortcuts in your own life because the more you build up a habit of taking shortcuts personally, you're going to take them publicly with us. If you're used to taking shortcuts in your own life, you're going to take them with your people. If you're used to taking shortcuts as a habit, you're going to bring that to what you do with us. And so I'm calling you and asking you to develop that habit of enduring through the process the Lord has for you so that as we join together, we're a people who endure, a people of perseverance. Because as we said earlier, it's easy to start a church. It's a lot harder to keep on going. It's easy to get energy for something new. It's a lot harder to keep it going when things are tough, when things don't feel as exciting anymore, when things are different, when there's highs and lows. You get into the normal stream of life. You try to share with people around you, and it's falling short. That's when it gets difficult. That's when the rubber meets the road, and that's when your metal is tested. And so this text will help us prepare to be a people who are excited about what God can do, but a people who endure, who go through the process, who are faithful to the end, who aren't looking for highs and lows all the time, but stay steady in the midst of everything. So reach, restore, repeat. I'm going to show you a little chart, and I'm going to help explain this practically, and then we're going to go through each word one at a time. So... Here's this little chart here, uh, and we'll have this available online and stuff too. But as you think about how things work, how do things work, uh, you're going to look at it this way, okay? You reach, restore, and you repeat. And our City Light Services, we say every week, is a launching pad, not a landing place, right? You come here to be equipped, encouraged, challenged, edified, whatever it may be, to launch you into the week to come. You come back here because you went and served the Lord, you got beat up, you come back to get encouraged because the world is tough, and you come back and we build each other up and we go back. We don't land here, we launch out from here. That's a completely different mindset, and as soon as we have a hold of that mindset, we'll be ready to go. So the City Light Services are what launch us into this process. They're a part of the process, but they're the launching pad to the process. So when you come here, I want you to think about it that way. I'm being equipped to launch into this. As we reach, we're going to go through these one by one, but as we reach, we do so through our community light teams. The opportunities that are available that I will specify. As we restore, we mainly do that through our lighthouses and different avenues to help people grow in their faith. And as we repeat, we build this time and time again. We're multiplying what we're doing. We're not settling for just doing it once, but everybody's trying to reproduce themselves, their ministries, as we plant churches, campuses, love the lighthouses, and etc. And this is the process, and we just do that over and over and over again. And as we come to serve, there's a way for you to come help us launch. As there's a way for you to come help us reach. There's a way for you to come be a part of the restoration process. There's a way for you to come repeat and help rebuild and help establish things over and over again. So this is our way. This is a little, um, a little chart to help you understand it visually. And then I'm going to work through it one by one. So uh, City Light Services is the first one, the yellow one. Services, as we said, are a launching pad, not a landing place. 
I want you to think about it this way. It's like you come here and it's a box of matches and we do all the things that we do to light that match and then we take them out one by one and we send them into the world. We're together and then we're lit and then we go back out and we separate, but we're on fire for the Lord. You're launched into what God has for you. It's a launching pad, not a landing place. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. What's the point of a service? What's one of the main reasons we gather? Well, Hebrews will tell us we gather to stir one another up. One another up, right? We don't gather just to be stirred up by a sermon, to be stirred up by a song. Those things hopefully do those things. But we gather to be stirred up by one another, to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to speak words of life to one another. And if we're not doing that, and if we're just dependent on something that happens on stage to do the work of stirring up, we're going to miss 90% of what God wants to do because 90% of the people in the room are on the stage. And so now we're missing that out. So you got to think, take ownership of what I'm doing when I gather here. I come to stir one another up. It's almost like you need to bring your whisk, okay? You just have that mentality. I'm going to bring my whisk. I'm going to bring my little blender or whatever, and I'm going to be a part of making this thing of stirring it up. My role and your role as you walk into this space today is to ask the Lord and then to pursue it. How can I stir one another? How can my words have such an impact on somebody's life that they go do love and good deeds? How can my acts of service have such an impact on somebody's life that they pursue, they, per, they proceed to go act in love and good deeds? How can my presence in this place today make a difference to help someone else actually go express love and good deeds? All of us need to be thinking this way. This is what the services are designed to do. This is what the people of God are designed to do. We are one another, stirring one another up, loving one another, challenging one another, encouraging one another, launching each other. We come here and we say, man, I really tried to be faithful at work, and it sucked, and I don't like being awkward, and I don't like being the Christian guy there, and it's frustrating, and I don't know if it's worth doing anymore. And then somebody says, brother, it's worth the fight. You should endure. Keep it up. God sees you. Right? One plants, another sows, one waters, that God gives the growth. And we're coming, we're saying, okay, press on, press on. You can do it, press on, you know? And you walk in here like, man, my marriage is a mess and this is difficult and I don't know if it's worth trying to walk this way anymore. We say, press on, you can do it, I'm with you. What do you need? How can I help you? The Lord is with you. And we're doing that time and time again. We come to stir one another up to love and good deeds. And I'm just telling you, this is from the bottom of my heart. We cannot, I've said this a thousand times, live off sermons alone. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So I hope the sermons are helpful, and certainly the Lord has ordained teaching to be a necessary part of the body. This is a good thing that we are doing, but so often people are way too reliant on that. God has given you a word to speak to your brother and sister today. You have a reason for being here today that's important. It's not just to watch something happen. God has filled you with his spirit to use you today, to stir each other up. So we come here to be launched out, to stir one another up, to love each other well. Well, how do we actually do that? None of this stuff happens by accident. You know, we don't just show up and like all this stuff is here and the school does it for us and it's awesome and, you know, angels come in and, and they get things ready and the angels are watching your kids and all that stuff. You know, it's not a bunch of sinners watching your kids, you know. They love the Lord, but we're all sinners. Ain't no angels uh, watching your kids or doing anything else in the world because um, we're all human and we all have sin. They are background checked and they are healthy and they have been safe. 
let's clarify. They're, they're angels in every sense of the word except the real technical sense, all right? They're not actual angels. Uh, but none of this stuff just happens. The coffee just doesn't get there. All Everything is intentional. Um, we eat together because I think it builds unity and it helps us love one another well. I think it helps us stir each other on to loving good deeds. Well, that costs money. It also requires time. Somebody has to plan that, order it, get it, and bring it. And if somebody doesn't do that, the buy doesn't get built up. We have coffee out in the lobby, not just because coffee is nice or whatever, because it helps people just kind of hang out, talk to one another. It's something that facilitates unity. So it doesn't happen unless somebody brings a car, unless people like Kyle and Alyssa are there putting it together. It doesn't happen. Right? It doesn't happen. We have six, almost 60 kids back there every week. 60. That's a lot of kids, all right? And praise God for that. There's lots of ways to make disciples, and one of them is just to make more kids, all right? So this is, this, is great, this is a great way to grow a church, you know? Let's just have 60 kids right there, and we're ready to go. We have a bright future ahead of us. Amen. That's a good thing. But somebody's got to set all that up, prepare for that. It takes an awful lot of work, not just to corral and lead and shepherd 60 kids while they're there, but to prepare and plan for that to happen. All this stuff doesn't set up for nothing this morning. You'd never believe it. One of our trailers broke. And this morning was crazy, y'all. I'm telling you, like crazy. They're probably one of the craziest mornings we've had yet. But because of some faithful people that are here consistently, they handled it with spirit of love and they did it. None of this happens just, it doesn't happen accidentally, right? And you're hopefully served by it. And so I want to show you how important that is. So let me give you a few things. Uh, we have Sunday light teams. So uh, our light teams are a way for you to use your skills, gifts, and passions to serve others and to be the light of the world. So practically speaking, a light team is how you use your skills, gifts, and passions to serve others and be the light of the world. How can you do that on a Sunday morning? How can you help us launch into our Reach Restore uh, repeat method? What does that look like to do? Well, you can serve on kids, hospitality, tech, media, music, setup and teardown, service elements, or prayer. These are our main light teams right now. These need more help, obviously, all the time. This is a way that you can help be a part of what God's doing on a Sunday morning uh, to be a part of what God's doing throughout the week. Uh, an encouraging story I shared with my team this morning uh, in their early morning kind of prayer rally time was that, um, you know, we have a group of people that set up flags every morning, and a lot of times it just feels probably pretty monotonous and frustrating, and they fall down and all those different things. You know, they're really pointy, so they're stabbing people, and all that stuff is it's not, uh, not glamorous work. Uh, but yesterday I met a couple in our Lighthouse Leader training uh, who found City Light because they drove by and saw the flag Sunday morning. And they're here ready to serve the Lord and be a part of what God is doing. And I heard a story about how they were able to encourage someone else because they were simply here. And so now the Lord used somebody shoving a flag in the ground to help somebody come to church so they could speak life into somebody else and help lead what God is doing here. That's a good thing. Just stick the flag in the ground, right? That's it. Really. God does the work. Don't we realize what's happening here? Like, we're the dummies in the equation, right? God is the Savior of the world. Just stick the flag in the ground. Show up at 8 o'clock and stick a flag in the ground, right? Show up at 8.30 and help brew the coffee. These kind of things matter. These kinds of things do a million more things than we know. And if you saw it from the Lord's eyes, man, just sticking a flag in the ground, that's not it. No. And we get a little glimpse sometimes into what God's doing, but most of the time we don't get to see that story. Most of the time, I don't even get to hear that happen. And so with every flag stuck in the ground, with every kid's room set up, with every piece of coffee handed out, with every sign that somebody's holding in the front row, I mean, in the front of the building, with all of those things that happen, time in and time out, people are being served, getting connected, coming to know the Lord. 
So you can help in those ways. You can go to the basic, uh, the welcome table after this, you can sign up. So there's gonna be a general information sheet. If you're like, I wanna help with light teams on Sunday morning, you can sign up at the welcome table at the end of service, and we'll follow up with you this week. We'd love to get you connected. Another thing that happens on Sunday to help you launch out is basic training, which is a four-week membership class for you to learn more about City Light to be equipped to serve God together with us. Basic training happens every week. And we need help taking care of that. We also want you to participate in that. So we'd love for you to get involved that way. Those are the main things that happen on Sunday, as well as our Ciudad de Luz, which is City Light in Spanish, which has gone from zero to about 30 people on a weekly basis. Uh, they are currently, yes, you can praise God for that. Luis is doing a great job. They are reaching our community, and we're really blessed. So if you speak Spanish or just want to serve them uh, in any way possible, we would love for you to be a part of that. So Sunday Light Teams, basic training, Ciudad de Luz. This is how you can help us launch into the world around us. Everybody got it? Yeah. Say, got it. Got it. All right. Where do you go to find out more information? Welcome table. Welcome table. Thank you. You can also go online. You can also go online. But people forget. If you don't do it today, you'll forget. So go to the welcome table. All right. So reach. Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, opening the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, and comfort all we mourn. So two basic things here. When we reach, we bring good news and we bind up broken hearts. As we reach, the goal is to bring good news and to bind up broken hearts. So we're going to see what we do and what God does in this process, but this is what we do. We take the initiative to bring good news to people who don't have good news. We take the initiative to get our hands dirty and help bind up broken hearts. This is what the Spirit does on his anointed ones. So Jesus comes and says, this is me. I am the anointed one. I will do the bringing of the good news and the binding up of the broken hearts. And then as we're going to see in the next few weeks, he then chooses a group of people to give his anointing to so they go do the same thing. So now when Jesus rises from the dead, he sends his spirit in Acts 2 to anoint his people, to fill them with the spirit of Jesus. Now those people go and they do the thing Jesus did on his behalf. And ever since Acts 2, the church are the ones fulfilling Isaiah 61. Jesus started it, Isaiah 61 prophesied it, Jesus started it, and now the church finishes it. We're a part of what Jesus started. We bring good news and bind up broken hearts. This is something we can do. This is what we talk a lot about here is body and soul. We share the gospel and we care most about people coming to know the Lord, but we do not neglect people's physical needs and physical problems and oppression and different issues going on around us. We're people who act in justice in Jesus' name. We care about body and soul. And so we do this and we reach out. These are core gospel elements. Look what he says. You proclaim freedom, favor, and justice. They come to proclaim freedom, favor, and justice. These are core gospel truths that God grants freedom through bestowing his favor on those who have trust in Jesus because he has acted justly to punish Jesus for your sins instead. So the good news of the gospel is that you can have freedom because God has decided in his mercy to bestow favor on you because he has acted justly to punish Jesus for your sins. That's the only way you and I get out of having to pay for our sins is that someone else did it for us. He was perfect. His name is Jesus. He died and rose again so that we could have freedom. This is the proclamation of the gospel. We bring good news. We bring freedom. Now, I love this. The end result here, you see this in verse 2, is to comfort all who mourn. 
We bring freedom, we bring good news, we bind up broken hearts. We particularly proclaim freedom, favor, and justice. We proclaim the gospel, and we do it with our hands and feet as well as our mouths. And this brings about comfort. And think about what are the ways we can go about comforting our community? What are the ways we can go about comforting one another? What does it look like to be a blessing practically to the community around us? Is to bring good news and to bind up broken hearts. To walk into a community and proclaim freedom, favor, and justice. Is to bring the message of Jesus into their hearts and into their lives. And some of you find comfort somewhere else all the time and you're missing what Jesus has offered you here. You're going everywhere else for comfort. You came here maybe and you don't even know the way of Christ. You know what we're talking about, about being a Christian. But you know where you try to find your comfort. And you know that it's not working. And I'm telling you, this is the gospel. Jesus has come to give you comfort in his name. He has come to comfort those who mourn in his name. Jesus is not dismissive of your struggles and your problems. He does care and he wants to give you comfort. But you have to go to him to get it. You have to trust in the Lord with all your heart. You can't get comfort anywhere else. So some of you simply need to take where you're getting comfort and place it in Jesus. Another thing this requires to reach well is intentionality. You don't reach for something accidentally. The only reason you'll ever reach for something without thinking about it is because it's a habit. Which I would love for reaching for the poor to be a habit. We don't even think about it. We do it so much. Right? The only reason you don't have to think to grab your phone is because you do it a thousand times a day. So you end up with your phone in your hand you didn't think about it. The only reason that happened is because you do it all the time. So for us to reach, it's going to require intentionality. And for us to apply enough intentionality where we do it by instinct, wouldn't that be something? A group of people who serve by instinct. Like, how did I even get here? I don't even know. This is what I do, you know? Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. I don't even know where I am. This is amazing. We serve by instinct. We only reach for something if you do it on purpose. The only reason you don't do it on purpose is because it's a habit. So this is going to require intentionality. It's something that uh, I was talking about with somebody this week. Um, I forgot to bring it in, but I was here um, one day, and I was in Carolina's office, who's apparently is on at Foster High School, and we were talking about um, ways we can serve the community. And as I was here, two ladies walked in uh, to talk to her, and I was sitting down there. Oh, come they were sitting across from me, these two ladies. Uh, the two ladies were from um, the closest mosques. They're Muslims. And they have a community center that they run right down by this crossroads, about 10 minutes away from here. And she was sitting in the room across from me, and she was talking to Carolina about how they can serve those kids. How they can teach the kids about Allah. How they can minister to the kids in their own way. And listen, I, I love those women, but they're serving a false god. I love Muslims, but we don't love their god. Now, you have to think about it this way. Somebody is going to reach those kids. Somebody. Somebody's going to tell these kids about what's true. Somebody's going to influence these kids to make decisions about their life. Somebody's going to reach these children, these communities. It may be MS-13. It may be the local mosque. But I'll be danged if it's, we're not right in the middle of that. the cuss word, all right? That was almost <laughs> I was sitting in that office about to lose my ever-loving mind, and I thought, if we don't do something, if we stand by and let the world reach these kids, there's really no point in us being here. Somebody's going to do the job. Somebody's going to do the job. The question is whether it's you. The question is whether you'll stand in the gap. The question is not whether they're going to be taught, it's what will they be taught. 
I'm telling you, there's a big mosque with a fancy building with a lot of people who are trying to help kids. And the question is whether we're going to be in the way. Whether they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or whether they're going to move to this country and the only people that ever helped them were people that don't know Jesus. So why would they trust the followers of Jesus when the followers of Muhammad are the ones who helped them? I'm telling you, this is the fight that we are in. This is the reality of the context in which you live. And you can either ignore it or you can just make pastors do it, or we can all get our hands dirty and get involved. Yes. Thank you. Yes, all right. So we reach. We reach with intentionality. And if you're not seeing that story and thinking about what's happening around you and trying to put your blinders on and just live your little life, you're not going to have the motivation to get involved. You have to know these stories. You have to know what's going on to be equipped. So light teams, once again, are a way for you to use your skills, gifts, and passions to serve others and be the light of the world. We have community light teams. Here's a list. Events, trips, deliveries, mentors, partnerships, foster and adoption, entrepreneurs, youth, young life, young lives, and young adults. These are very practical, presently existing ways that you can serve. Events are things we do in the community, maybe more large scale that we plan, like a VBS during the summer, uh, that we can serve the community. Trips are overseas, international trips. Next week you'll learn more about that. Deliveries, many of you, how many of you delivered something to a home with City Light? So yeah, right? So deliveries are ways that we serve communities by providing urgent needs, physical urgent needs, as quickly as we can. We mentor in the school right now. There's about 13 of us. We'd love for you to join us. Partnerships are a way for us to join hands with people in the community to be a part of serving where people are. Our foster and adoption ministry both serves social services around us, but also wants to equip each one of you if you desire to foster and adopt yourself. We have an entrepreneur program that's just getting started, led by Steve Kazalka, uh, where we can serve 15 families right now that want to learn how to be more financially stable within their homes and take their natural skills and turn them into profitable businesses to help bring uh, life to their home and community. Uh, Young Life serves the youth here. Young Life serves teen moms. Our young adult community meets on Tuesday nights to reach out to college kids and young professionals around here. There's that many ways, at least, that you can start getting involved, where you can take the light of Jesus and begin to influence people in Jesus' name, where you can reach out. So I'm going to give you three particular right now. Once again, where can you go to sign up for a light team? The welcome table. Now, there's going to be three particular people that are happy to talk to you face-to-face. Steve Kozaka, who does the entrepreneur program, who helping us lead that and start that. It's very much in the formation stage, but it's becoming more real as we speak, is going to be at the welcome table to help talk to you. Jen Yu, who helps facilitate our mentors in the Falls Church High School during the week, is going to be at the welcome table. She'd love to talk to you. And Jessica Sanchez, who helps with Young Life, is going to be at the welcome table. She's going to love to talk to you. And all the other things are available with the form. We would love to follow up with you. These are very practical ways that you can get your hands dirty, put your hands and feet to the test, start to get to work, and be a part of us reaching out to our community. Everybody say, got it. Got it. All right. Restore. To grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I love this. So we do what we can do, so God will do what only God can do. This is the right, I stick the flag in the ground because I got two hands that work that allow me to do that. So I show up because I have an alarm and a car or Uber or whatever, and I get here and I pick up a flag, I put it together, and I stick it in the ground because that's what I can do. And then God does all the rest, okay? I have the gospel and I know how to speak. I have words. 
Jesus loves you. He died and rose again for you. If you trust in him, you can be saved. I have hands and feet. I have resources. I have things I can use to give. I can go reach. I can bring good news with my words. I can bind up broken hearts with my hands and my feet and my brain and my resources. And I can do that. And then God, through that work, does this spiritual stuff that we can't produce. But it only happens when we go first, empowered by the Lord. Listen, bad theology says because God is sovereign and does whatever he wants, I don't have to do anything because God is God. That's not what the Bible says. God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants anytime. He does not need us. But he has created this system in a way to use us. Men and women are his method. That's what he has chosen to do. So he says, you go, and as you go, I will empower, and I will make spiritual things happen that you can't produce. But if the gospel isn't spoken... Nothing spiritual can happen. They have to hear it, Romans 10. If you hear the gospel, you can be saved. Blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. So we gotta bring it. So we do what we can do, so God will do what only God can do. This is what God does. This is awesome. Man, you wanna make your life count. God takes a bunch of ashes and he turns them into something beautiful. Look at that. Your life may presently be in ashes, and God's ministry to you is to say, I want to take those ashes. What are ashes? You can't make anything out of ashes. They just fall. There's nothing you can do, but God can. You know what goes wrong when a group of humans try to go on our own strength and take a bunch of ashes and make some art out of that? You can't build out of ashes. You can't make anything out of ashes. That's impossible for us. Our job is not making ashes into beauty. Only God can do that. Our job is to bring good news, bind up broken hearts. And then God will do what only God could do. God takes mourning and sadness and he gives joy instead. God takes a spirit of heaviness, something oppressive on you, suicidal thoughts and depression, all these different issues people come into this city and this country dealing with and people who grew up in this country dealing with, people who have a ton of money and people who have no money and every sphere of life, people having these different burdens that are weighing them down. And you know what God does is he takes the thing that was oppressing you and causing heaviness and he puts it under your feet. You stand on top of it and you give praise. Only God can do that. Right, what was once giving you heaviness, God replaces with praise. Now, I don't know about you, but I would love to see a bunch of teenagers in this high school who think their life has gone to ashes to find it beautiful. I would love a bunch of people who are sitting in their apartments right now mourning and sad because they lost someone, because they don't know how they're gonna pay the rent, because they don't know what's next. They don't even know there's a church next door to hear the good news because somebody from City Light decided to walk over there and instead of mourning on Sunday mornings, they find joy. What about the people, even in this room, who are experiencing current heaviness? I would love to be a part of being a part of a community that takes heaviness and as a part of what God wants to do to turn heaviness into praise. A group of people that are burdened because of their struggles now find freedom because God has bestowed favor on them because he has acted justly in punishing Jesus for sins they deserve. And what was once a spirit of heaviness because they thought their whole life depended on them 
is now a spirit of praise because they learn there's a God who loves them. We got to make our lives count for something. These are the realities of the world around you. Whether you choose to watch the news or not, whether you choose to care about it or not, these are the things that are happening. We want to be a part of a community who does this. Look at the end result. So the end result of the first one was comfort. The end result here is maturity. Look at this. They've become oaks of righteousness. What's the point? Something that was unstable and just really struggling has now, because somebody brought good news and bound up broken hearts, God has done a spiritual work in them that has made them strong. They have grown in their strength. They have been restored. And instead of waving to and fro because they're unstable, they are oaks of righteousness firmly planted in the ground. A group of people who once were tossing to and fro because of all the different difficulties of their life now have been ministered to by the anointed ones of Jesus and they have now become like the people that went to send them. The people that went after them, they grow and become mature. They become strong oaks of righteousness. You take what was struggling and you turn it into a strength. This is what God does. So our specific city life strategies, what's the process for this? Our main thing is lighthouses. Lighthouses are a local place for spiritual growth and community engagement. There's co-ed, multi-generational men's, women's, youth, and young adult. This is the place where most of the restoration will happen. Because the reach is us going into the community and bringing good news and binding hearts. The restore happens when people join the house of God and grow in faith. Right? So the reach is to go and bring in. The restoration happens when they are brought in, planted, and they grow up. And our lighthouses are the main way that we're doing this to help you grow up. Now, this is true for those in the community and for those of you who come to City Light and aren't involved. I'm telling you, you need to be involved in a lighthouse so that you can be a part of God's restoration process in you. We all need to be a part of what God wants to restore in us. Lighthouses are how you're going to do that. You can find out that information at the... Welcome table. You can also go online with everybody's pictures and the time and location. Not the time, but the location where they meet. So we would love to get you involved. Please, please, please make that a priority. Okay. Everybody say, got it. Got it. Got it. Repeat, our last one. Reach, restore, repeat. They shall build up ancient ruins. They shall raise up former devastations. They shall repair ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. I love the word here, Rebuild. But you know how they rebuild? They rebuild by repeating the process that came to them. You see what happens here, and this is so important. There's a group of people like us who are anointed by the Lord, who aren't special or different than anybody else, broken sinners just like everybody else. God has anointed and chosen us and blessed us with his presence and his spirit. He sends us out to go bring other people into the family of God. We bring good news and bind up broken hearts. Because we went out and did that, God does his thing where he creates a spiritual exchange. He takes people that don't know Jesus, turns them into followers of Jesus. They get praise instead of heaviness, beauty instead of ashes, joy instead of Morning. They go strong in the Lord. Now they're mature. They're strong. They're oaks of righteousness. Now, who are the ones who rebuild the community? Is it us or them? Yeah, both. You see what's happening? We make the mistake of thinking that we have to step in and do it all because we have our stuff together. And we do not have our stuff together, number one. Number two, the best and most healthy way to make a difference is for the people that were here to be the ones who rebuild what was broken. It is not healthy for us to go into a community and stay there forever. Because God wants to raise up his people from these places. 
Look, they rebuilt, I love this, the devastations of many generations. Just think about what's happening around us, what may happen in your own life, is that generational devastation, cyclical things that happen over and over and over again, and nobody can find their way out of that. And then Jesus steps in, changes a person's life, and that person stops the curse. And that person begins to rebuild their own house. They begin to rebuild their own community. They begin to rebuild their own city. And those group of people who are once on the outside of faith, now on the inside trusting Jesus, are doing the reach and restoring process in their own community. And now people like us who are involved in the bringing and the binding see that God's raising them up and we do that somewhere else. And we repeat the process. We repeat the process in other ways, in other places. We repeat the process with each other. We continue to reach and restore. The people that God ministers to begin to rebuild, and over and over and over again we do this. This is how Jesus did his thing. This is how he does it in Luke 4 through 10. This is how the church does it in Acts 2 from here on out. This is what it looks like to be a blessing to the city and the community around us. Something's important. My wife and I talk about this all the time when we're stressed about church stuff. We'll look at each other and be like, man, we are not the saviors. I may have a role and I hope it helps, but I'm not the savior. I can't fix everything. Neither can you. But Jesus is. Jesus is the savior. Jesus can fix everything and Jesus will do crazy things we never thought. So we trust him. We leave things to him. The end result here, the first end result is comfort. The next end result we saw was personal maturity, oaks of righteousness, people are strong. The last end result here is community renewal. It happens over and over again. Our specific city life strategies, what's the process you may ask? Our process is to make sure intentionally that everything multiplies, that we constantly repeat over and over again the things that we're doing. This can happen personally as you make disciples yourself. You should multiply your life. You should reach and restore. People come in, they reach and restore. You continue to do that over and over again. We should multiply our lighthouses. Yesterday we had a lighthouse leader training. We're hoping to launch, I think it was five or six new groups, most of them out of the groups that already exist. This is how lighthouses work. We multiply from within the group. We grow and multiply. We add what God is doing. We, we multiply the work. So personally, you do that. We do that through our lighthouses. You do that in your ministry. So as we start a young adult gathering Tuesday night, we want to see five more of those because more young adults need to hear the good news of Jesus. And they don't all exist in Fairfax, where we are. We need more places that are ministering to them. We do that by churches. We don't know exactly how this looks yet, but campuses or plans, whatever the Lord leads us to do, we multiply, maybe doing both, I don't know. But we multiply what we're doing as a church. We have people here on staff, even like Taylor, that are interested in pursuing possible church planting. We wanna equip and prepare people like him to go launch out and send a group of them with him. Like many of you came with us to go launch this church and now look at the difference God is using through it. We wanna use this church to launch more. And to continue to do through other places what God has done here. So we raise up men and women to go plant new churches. We support them. We go with them. Everything multiplies. Everything. Your life, your lighthouse, your ministry, your role. Your role as the coffee person. Your role as the greeter. You multiply. You raise up someone else to do what you're doing. We repeat and we multiply. We reach and we restore. We are never settled. We are never finished. We continue to do the work God has called us to do until he brings us home. We don't say, oh, look, look where we are now. We got people in a room and stuff and everything seems good. Let's, let's just, hey, let's chill. No. And you, you chose me as your pastor. I'm like gas pedal person, okay? I'm just, okay, I just, I got to hit the gas pedal. We got to go because people are lost around us and the world is dying. And there's a very small group of people in the world who actually love Jesus and want to share his news. 
super small group. You have to think about that. How many people have decided to come to a gospel preaching church this Sunday morning in this city? Not many. How many people does the Lord have in this city to be able to, to use? Not many. But he has you. He's chosen you. And he's called you. And he's brought you to be a part of this body. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about this, that you're not a bucket, you're a pipe. What God does in you, he wants to do through you. As much as stagnant water will grow stale, so does a stagnant spirit. So let's be zealous to see what the Lord would want to do. All right, let's go through it again. Everybody say the three words with me. Reach, restore, repeat. Do me again. Reach, restore, repeat. Where do I learn more information? Okay, great. That was all right. That was all right. At the welcome table, you can speak with people. You can sign up. You can also go online. We'd love to be down here. We want you to have a plan to join with us and be a part of what God is doing. Everybody say, got it. Got it. All right. Why don't you pray with me? <laughs> Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you for everything that you've done for us. We thank you for the opportunity to be a part of serving you and of being a part of what you're doing in this community and in this city. Lord, would you give us a, a sense of seriousness, a sober-mindedness that somebody's going to influence these people around us? And Lord, would you not allow us to be okay with not getting the gospel to them, with being okay with all these other lies being told to them? Lord, I pray that we would have a sense of restlessness, that we would truly care about souls, that we would care about more than just our life. Lord, make us a church who really reaches out with intentionality. Make us a church who really restores people and sees this spiritual exchange happen in people's lives. Make us a church who multiplies and repeats this over and over again until you call us home. Lord, we love you. We give ourselves to you, our whole hearts, our whole lives. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.